Hello and welcome back to Tachikawa. You are listening to Sakamichi Nights. My name is Matthew Boynton and I'm joined as always by Daniel Bellamy. Daniel, how are you today? I'm good. I'm back. I feel like I had a vacation from the podcast. You did have a vacation from the podcast. Yeah. Have you found yourself? Yeah, let's say yes. Yeah. Where, where were you? Uh, you know, just around kind of places, places that a guy like me would go. Around and boot. Yeah. Places that a guy like you would go, I'm imagining you found yourself at a, an all-women's pro wrestling event. <laughs> yeah, pretty close. Yeah. Uh, I have a question for you to start today's pod. Mm. Um, this is going to take a little bit of context, though. Okay. So strap in. Yeah. Uh, the other day, I had a little bit of time in the evening, so I decided to watch a little bit of the TV. Hmm. I like watching Indulge. TV shows. I yeah, do, yeah, why not? There's a new uh, series on Amazon Prime. It's called Citadel, and it stars Rob Stark from Game of Thrones. Right. With me so far? Yeah. He has an American accent for some reason, okay. which is slightly off-putting. Mm-hmm. Um, slight spoilers here for the initial episode of Citadel, so be warned, everyone. Uh, he's a super secret spy. He goes on a super secret <clears throat> spy mission. Everything goes terribly wrong. The train he's on explodes. He loses his memory. Yeah. So far, so good. Yeah. Cut to eight years later. Mm. He's living in the American hero house. Yeah. You know the one, the one that Hawkeye lives in. It's in the countryside. He has a pickup truck. Right. He's I'm working like on the dogs. roof. Two dogs. He has yeah. a wife. He has a child. He's working on the roof. He's a man who can work with his hands. He's an all-American hero. Yeah. But he's curious about his past life. Right. Then one day, Stanley Tucci shows up, Mm -hmm. threatens his wife. That's never a good thing, (laughs) is it? Threatens his wife and child at gunpoint, puts them all in a car, gasses them unconscious, and drives them to his secret hideout. At which point, he shows Rob Stark a 15-second film of the two of them working together on some spy stuff. And Rob Stark instantly believes and trusts this guy. Right. Okay, so I'm a spy then. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that seems fair enough. Yeah, he's never heard of uh, what AI-generated kind of video content like deepfakes. Clearly. This doesn't exist in this world. No, clearly. In the Citadel world. Not a thing uh, when you're living in uh, the heartland. Right. This has to be one of my least favorite tropes when it comes to, to, to film or fiction at all. You know, I'm just going to instantly trust you just because the plot requires that I do. Right. The, the why, well, why wouldn't you just... Like, if, if I get to the point with a TV show where I'm asking, well, why wouldn't he just, then that's too late at that point. Right. You lost me already. Yes. How much of the Citadel did you, I'm sorry, are you going somewhere with this? No, no. Well, the question is, uh, what is your least favorite trope in fiction? Uh, man, you put me on the spot with this kind of stuff. There's a lot that I don't enjoy. Um, I think the main one that I, that bothers me is, uh... Problems that could be solved by two people talking and they should and probably would talk about it based right. on who their characters are and where they are. And they just don't. The deliberately engineered misunderstanding. Yes, right. That turns into a big, uh, like, becomes a huge kind of conflict in the story. When in reality, like, either one of those people, based on what you know about them up to that point in the story, would probably just go to the other one and be like, hey, are you mad at me? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, cool. Who was that blonde woman you were having lunch with? Oh, that's my sister. Okay, fair enough. Oh, great. Okay, good. End of movie. Roll credits. Yeah. I mean, maybe not the best cinematic experience, but uh, so much stuff feels contrived like that. And, you know, your your thing is a similar thing, right? We need this to happen to move the story along. So 
it's gonna happen no matter how unbelievable it is i think the general name for this kind of thing is holding the idiot ball who's holding the idiot ball today or who's holding the idiot ball in this episode right? really who is that is, what it's called who is you acting, just made that up now uh, i think i read this on tv tropes right um who is acting in a deliberately stupid way just purely in order to move the plot along right and i don't know if you've ever seen the the film burn after reading but I read that that was a film that they made to see what would happen if everyone was holding the idiot ball <laughs> at all times. I'm pretty sure I have seen that. Uh, anyway, how much of Citadel did you watch? I watched the first episode and I'm out. Right. I'm, I'm not going to watch any more of it. I watched uh, more than that uh, because someone recommend, not didn't recommend it to me, but in passing I heard a friend of mine say to somebody else, we've been watching The Citadel, it's pretty good. Okay. I went, oh, I'll check that out. I, I can't help but feeling that the elevator pitch for The Citadel was, what if Jason Bourne were a TV show and also terrible? Mm. It's bad, man. Like, it's, it's Jason Bourne. Well, it's, how much of it did you put up with? Three episodes, right, maybe right. four episodes. You reach a point where it's like, like, oh, you think you know what's going on? Well, you don't. Uh, and it feels like the show is going to try and do that to you about every two episodes. Right. And I was like, you know what? No, I don't think so. Why would your super secret evil society require all of its members to get tattoos in an easily yeah, visible part seems, of their body? Yeah, yeah. That that's smart. That that's doesn't make any one. sense yeah. at all. Anyway, we're not here to rag on Citadel. Seems like we should be. Let's have a Trash on Citadel podcast, a spinoff. Why don't you tune in to Citadel Nights coming out every (laughs) Friday um, after the the most recent episode. But this is Sakamichi Nights. What are we here to do on this podcast? Trash Citadel and celebrate beer. That's right. We are here to celebrate beer and to answer questions from listeners. We have a question right here. From Kevin in Oklahoma. Okay. He wants to know, Dan, this is directed to you. Okay. Do you miss your hair? I like that he came in with a question for me after last week. He must have got tired of listening to you answer questions. I think we all got tired of me (laughs) answering questions. I didn't because I didn't listen to the episode. But to answer your question, Kevin, it's uh, it's, it's like a breakup of any long relationship. When you reminisce about it after the fact, you remember the good times, right? Like when you miss parts of it, you are missing the good things. What were the good times? You know, looking awesome. Mm. Uh, The hair was pretty great. Um, That's about it, really. It is cool to have long hair. It's a unique thing, right? And I thought it looked pretty good on me. Uh, But when you do that, you you reminisce about only the good times and you're kind of blocking out the reasons why you you broke up with that hair in the first place and you have to move on with your life and look at the positives now and the fact that you have removed all of your body hair means that you can slip through the water at the pool much more easily now yeah i mean as long as i'm naked which they don't really agree with but they can't catch you (laughs) yeah try and get your hands on me no i mean try and get your hands on me please i'm begging you um so uh thank you very much for your question kevin and oklahoma very thought-provoking and um, if only you could see the way that we're recording this episode today. <laughs> we're here to answer questions from listeners. We're also here to celebrate beer. What is the beer that we are going to be celebrating this week? We are going to be celebrating Mr. Bones. Congratulations, Mr. Bones. Your time has come. This is an original Sakamichi beer, 
let the self-backslapping continue. Yep. What can you tell us about Mr. Bones before we get stuck into him? Well, it is a, it's a milk stout, which means it's a stout that's made with a touch of lactose in it. Mm. Lactose, of course, is kind of sugar that comes from milk. Milk sugar. Milk yeah. sugar. And uh, it's, it's less sweet, less perceived sweetness, and more about the creaminess that it imparts, although it is a little bit sweet. Uh, this beer comes in at 5.2%. And my understanding from talking to you about it when you developed a recipe and when we talked about this beer is that uh, some some milk stouts, uh, sometimes by intention, can get quite sweet. Right. And uh, we didn't want that to happen with this beer. Uh, we wanted to have the sweetness be restrained and expressed, again, a bit more as a creaminess than a sweetness. We wanted this beer to come across as a uh, like a delicious cup of iced coffee, which, given the season in which we're releasing it, uh, I think that's that's uh, probably the right choice. We don't, you don't want it to be heavy-handed and cloying, right? No, no, absolutely. And uh, the weather is getting rather sticky and cloying just on its own, so mm. we don't need any more cloia, cloacas mm-hmm. in here. We don't yeah. need any more cloyingness. Um, why don't we dive into the beer? Another classic of the milk stout genre is my one of my favorite beers, peanut butter milk stout yeah. from Belching Beaver. That mm. one is sweet. Yeah. It's like eating a peanut butter cookie. Yeah. I describe it as sometimes. Whereas this beer is not sweet, mm. I would say. How would you describe the flavor of Mr. Bones? I think it uh, it's, it's quite roasty and it actually has a fair bit of bitterness, I think. Um, it comes across as uh, the, the, the bitterness of, of dark coffee or dark roasted coffee beans, I think. Um, and I think that the, the, the lactose probably helps to take the edge off of that and like carry through, like carry it through the, the tasting experience, right? You, when you sip it, you get something in the beginning and then it kind of goes through your mouth and down your throat and it, you get different taste sensations through that process. And I think the lactose uh, kind of smooths out the entire journey through your mouth in some way. So you get a bit of bitterness up front, uh, but it's kind of restrained, I think, by the lactose. Mm. Lactose, very much the sandpaper of the beer tasting world, smooths mm. everything That's out. That's what people say. Um, I do in- enjoy an iced coffee of a morning. Um, like a dark roast coffee, mm. but uh, done through the AeroPress and then over ice with maybe a little bit of milk on mm. top of that. And it's very full flavored, this iced coffee, but it's also extremely crushable. Yeah. Like, I don't think I would have any trouble in chugging an entire pint of iced coffee right. in the morning. Not sure what that would do to the rest of my day, but uh, I think I could One probably way to find do. out. Yeah. Yes. Let's report in next time to, to see what happened there. And um, I think. It's similar with this beer. Uh, this is the, the fullest bodied beer that we've ever made in here. And it has, as you say, a lot of bitterness, a lot of roastiness, but it's also surprisingly crushable, mm. surprisingly drinkable, mm-hmm. isn't it? I also want to say, we back it up a bit. Uh, I, I'm very visual, uh, especially with the beers. We've got on right now the Bohemian Pilsner, uh, Bohemian Pale Ale, excuse me, from, uh, from Hino Brewing. And it's just a gorgeous color. Like, it's kind of coppery red. It's really beautiful. Um, and this beer as well, uh, it absolutely looks the part. Um, the color of it, you know, it's, it's obviously like 
black, kind of very dark brown bordering on black. But the head is a really gorgeous kind of tan color, and it mm. looks quite thick and creamy. It doesn't hang around for a long time, uh, but while it's there on the glass, it, it just looks like when you order that beer, you have an idea in your mind of what it's going to look like, like the, the clip art version of it. And, and this beer comes out exactly like that. I like that a lot, right? Meeting those kind of expectations with a really good looking beer. The platonic ideal of the beer. That's right. Yeah. The yeah. Vitruvian beer. Exactly. Uh, we used uh, quite a bit of a malt called Carafa Special 3 mm. in this uh, beer. And um, that is a de-husked and highly roasted barley malt. Um, you de-husked means that the kind of the skins of the, the individual grains of barley are removed. Mm, they've been flayed. They have been flayed. Um, uh, going back to Game of Thrones again. Right. Um, but uh, a lot of the the tannins or the kind of acrid flavors that mm. you might get from a very deeply roasted malt live in the skins. Mm. So if you can remove those, you get really great color, as you said, like really deep, dark color. Uh, but you also get a lot of roasty bitterness without the acridity mm. or the astringency right. that might come if you use too much of that in a regular beer. So, hey, thank you very much, Carafa Special 3. Big fan, big fan of that malt. We should continue using it for other things as well. I wonder what was wrong with uh, special one and two. Yeah, it's probably best not to ask about that kind right. of thing. Wyman might show up and uh, and extraordinarily rendite us. Um, there is such a thing as just Carafa three as well. It's not special. It's just Carafa three. People don't order that very much, I guess. That might be the husked version right. if you want the astringency. That's, ju- that's all husks. It's, it's all husks. all husks. they got to go somewhere, right? You can't just throw them husks away. <laughs> uh, why do we try to pair this beer as we do every week? I'm going to spin the wheel of pairings, choose from one of eight options. But, of course, we can't have the last two, which were? Well, it was wild card uh, when we had Bobby Judo in, and it was uh, food before that. So it can't be food. Anything else is fine. Let's roll the dice and find out what we're going to get. Number five, location. Location. Where would you like to be drinking this beer? I would like to drink this beer uh, in Sapporo in the summertime. Okay, that's interesting. What goes on in Sapporo in the summertime? Uh, it's just great up there. They they have such a long and awful winter that during the summertime it really feels like people in Hokkaido kind of grab a hold of it and like just squeeze all of the sunshine out of it that they can get. Mm. And uh, I have found that when I've gone up there in the warmer months that uh, people are kind of outside hanging out. The restaurants will all the restaurants and bars will put tables and stuff out on the street. It's just a very, very kind of lively atmosphere uh, to Sapporo specifically because that's where I spent time for work previously. Uh, and I, I feel like it's the right setting because the summer up there doesn't get too hot, so you can you can be in these kind of outdoor seating areas enjoying a nice beer, and it'll be kind of cool in the evening. Uh, it reminds me a little bit of, of uh, Ohio. Ohio will get hot during the day in the summer, but then cool after that. You can spend a nice evening outside on your porch. Uh, I have a lot of fun memories spending time in Sapporo in the summer on business trips, and uh, after work was done, going out to various beer bars around the city, and I could imagine enjoying this particular beer uh, it's you know it's a nice weight for summer five point two percent 
And as you said, it's, uh, you know, it's full bodied, but it's still crushable. So I could see uh, standing around with some newly made friends at an outdoor table at a bar in Sapporo on a summer's eve, uh, drinking a glass of this. So evening specifically is the time of day that you're thinking about this. Not, not I'm not having it for breakfast. That is the best time of day to drink coffee, isn't it? <laughs> but um, one other thing I really like about Hokkaido, and I always enjoy it when I go up there, is the food. Genghis Khan, mm. absolutely delicious. What kind of bar snacks would you have on the table uh, with your newly made friends? I used to go to, I'll shout out because they're still around, but my favorite craft beer bar in Sapporo is called Kalahana. And it's a tiny little hole in the wall place. And I think they only have like six taps and they usually have a cider or two on as well. Um, but super lovely people. Uh, at the time that I went up there, I wasn't eating meat aside from fish. I was a pescatarian. And they only had really one thing on the menu that didn't have meat in it. And it was like a Saba, Saba dinner kind of plate with a salad and a bit of grilled Saba and something else. And it was awesome. Uh, but I used to, every time I go to Sapporo, I would go to Kalahana several times. And I would always get the Saba plate mm. to the point where they began referring to me as Mr. Saba every time I went up there. Mr. Saba Saba. Yes. Yeah. Like that too. Yeah. yeah. That sounds pretty good. Anyway, shout out to Kalahana. Uh, if anybody listening to this ever goes to Sapporo, definitely stop by. The place is great. Check it out. Um, ask for Mr. Saba Saba when you get there. So not to derail this too far, but when uh, Aika, our part-time staff, uh, finished up before she went to the States, she went back to her home, which is in Sapporo. And at that time, you know, after working here, obviously she was a big craft beer fan. So she was going to go and, and do some drinking in Sapporo before she left for the U.S., and uh, I said, well, you have to go to Kalahana uh, and see those people and tell them Mr. Saba sent you. And uh, not, not in those words, but I said, see if they remember me. And uh, I got a message from her and she was like, yeah, they don't remember you. <laughs> Unfortunate. So, yeah, the impression was not that deep. You've you got to go back there and order some more Saba plates. See if that they're jogs like, their memory. Yeah. yeah. I, um, that, 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 that does sound very good. I, um, as I said... I think the best time of day to drink coffee is in the morning. This beer reminds me a lot of coffee, of iced mm. coffee. Um, I tend not to drink coffee after about two or three, because mm -hmm. I find I won't be able to sleep right. after that. But there is one uh, situation in which I think it's okay to have coffee in the evening. Have you ever been to Vietnam? I uh, have not. No. From Sapporo to Wadsworth, Ohio to Vietnam. Mm. Uh, it's the, the regular world tour. Yep. Excellent coffee there. Really, really excellent coffee. Mm -hmm. And you can go and you can sit on the patio of a nice Vietnamese restaurant, have your dinner, and then have an affogato mm -hmm. with it as well. Right. Uh, imagine, if you will, dropping uh, a nice scoop of rich vanilla ice cream into a glass of Mr. Bones. Yeah. That would be a pretty good time, Yeah, I think. You mm. could even sprinkle a little bit of chocolate shavings over the top of that. Now, I think that that would be an example of a time when it would be acceptable to have a coffee, even more acceptable to have a beer float. Okay, so you're not talking about having this in the morning. No. You're saying having this with ice cream in it in the morning. In the evening. Okay, right. In okay. the evening. Uh, beer, uh, beer in the evening, coffee in the morning. Uh, ice cream all hours of the day. Ice night. cream <laughs> at all times and in all places. The place is Vietnam. Mm. That's where I'm going to be having this. Right on. Are you side by side with a cup of coffee? Yeah, why not? Okay. I'll have a, a coffee affogato as well. Right, yes. Uh, what's your feeling on beer floats? 
I've never had one that I've enjoyed. Right. Uh, but I can see it really working with this. I think it's the same with the Coke float, right? It, you're, you're creating an entirely new thing. It doesn't taste like Coke and it doesn't taste like ice cream. Mm. It's something entirely new. So it could work. Right. But I think you also need a relatively small amount of beer, like just enough to float the ice cream in. Right. It's all about, like an affogato kind of thing. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. all about the mix, isn't it? Right. Interesting. I'm the same as you. I think I've had them once or twice, and both times I kind of regretted it. I didn't mm. feel that it was that good. You want uh, a nice piney IPA with your vanilla ice sure, cream? Sure. Yeah. What's your uh, What's your number one float? Number one float. Yep. Uh, Mardi Gras. Okay. Uh, Coke float, root beer float, melon float. I don't know what else. When I mean beer float now, obviously. Mm. Out of the ice cream in a beverage uh, set of floats, what's your favorite float? It's going to have to be Coke float. I do not care for root beer at all. Right. It tastes like the water they make you drink at the dentist to me. And melon soda is way too sweet for me. So. Have you ever had... Uh, water that they make you drink at the dentist float i haven't actually i no, like that it'd the, be a totally new thing there is a, a potential avenue there for exploration and it's kind of a weird red color as well yeah. so uh it would be could be like a raspberry ripple ice cream in that sensory experience yeah <laughs> i'm not sure if they really want to feed you ice cream at the dentist though that's the kind of behavior they're trying to discourage i mean they're missing out then aren't they they're yeah really they get that's how you get repeat customers that's how you get people to go to the dentist when you finish <laughs> like here's a bag of skittles <laughs> in three months what about you what's your float of choice uh, i am a root beer float guy mm. i do enjoy a coke float it's a good combination but yeah root beer float all the way it's what is the best brand of root beer? Uh, you, you want, I mean, there's no good major brand of root beer, I don't think. Uh, but there's tons of, I mean, craft root beer, I guess we would call them these days. You used to find them when you would go out to the countryside anywhere in the States mm -hmm. in any kind of like weird ass corner store or like super local unbranded gas station would have like some bizarre brand of of. You know, there'd be a series, right? They'd have root beer and like a sarsaparilla and whatever else. Take your uh, steady girl down to the malt shop. Yeah, exactly. That kind of thing. Um, those, those in general are always excellent. I, who knows where they come from? They're probably all made by, you know, Pepsi or something like that and just branded with these old timey labels and sent out. Craft root beer. Crute beer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're if they're not out. using that, man, they're missing out. They really should be. I'll tell you who else makes an excellent milk stout. Not to say that that one is excellent, but it's it's not bad. I tell you who makes an excellent milk stout. Who that? That is Be Easy Brewing in Aomori. They do. You familiar? I am, yeah. I The milk stout is called Ray's Milk Stout, as in Ray apostrophe S, milk stout. Who's That's Ray? Right. Do you know I do not this? know who okay. Ray is. Man, we researched this. Hey. This could be a Lemonheads tie-in. Right. Um, but their milk stout also... Um, is not overly sweet mm. and is modeled on a kind of a glass of iced coffee. Yep. So we haven't completely ripped off their idea, but it's not totally dissimilar to mm. the direction that we went with our milk stout as well. I guess uh, both of us as relatively small breweries, it's better if customers drink more of our beer. That's that's the image that we're taking both of us. Right. I mean, it's not a ripoff, right? It's an homage. I wouldn't say that it is. I wanted to make a milk stout, and this is the kind of milk stout that I would want to drink. Yeah. So that's why we made it. Anyway, 
getting a little bit distracted here. Beezy Brewing in Aomori. I went up there a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Very interesting trip. Mm. Um, it's in a town called Hirosaki, which is like another 45 minutes from Aomori City. Right. Uh, it's called the Apple Colored Town. They're really missing a trick by Apple not... Apple Colored Town. Apple Colored Town. Okay. They're really missing a trick by not calling it the Little Apple, or the Small Apple, right? I, I don't know who's in charge of their marketing department. You need to get on that. How is it Apple Colored? It's not... Okay. It's not an apple. disappointing. No. Uh, they have a castle, but I didn't notice. Like, apples are red, right? It wasn't an overly red town. Mm. Um, at the tourist information office, they did have a huge poster detailing all the different kinds of apple pies that you could get in town, though. Okay. And they were all rated on a scale of sweetness, sourness, and cinnamonness. And you could spend a very happy couple of days sampling Just all eating your way through forty-five different kinds of apple pie that are available yeah. in Hiyosaki. Sounds pretty good. Um, but I was up there to do a little bit of brewing with BEZ. Um, that beer should be available end of this month, June twenty twenty-three. Yeah, um, we're hoping to have a little bit of a, a tap takeover event and to release that beer. But yeah, overall, very interesting and informative trip. It's great. What uh, you didn't? I'm assuming you didn't make another milk stout. They have one. We have one. You don't need to get together and make another one. That's right. Yes. Uh, the beer that we made is going to be a hoppy lager, and I guess technically you could say that it is a single hopped hoppy lager using mosaic. But you would be technically correct. Technically correct, but also technically incorrect because uh -oh. we used four different kinds of mosaic in the beer interesting so regular uh, hop pellet uh, mosaic and american noble mosaic which is a kind of reduced alpha version and cryo mosaic and mosaic incognito i think which is a kind of extract okay. so i think i'm remembering that correctly but there are like four different um, preparations of mosaic hops mm. in this so it tastes more complex than right. a single mosaic hops lager would. Right. Did you, uh, you have the different kinds of mosaic. Did you add them at different times of the process? Yes. Yeah. All those uh, preparations are designed for adding uh, in different ways to the beer and at different stages. Um, so yeah, the, the, the T90 hops went in the boil and the noble hops went in after that and so on and so on. Hmm. That's cool. This is this is a fun one because people who listen to the podcast can now, like if they come in here and drink, they can lord it over their friends. They can be like, well, actually, this is a single hop beer. Not really a single hop beer. Is that an impersonation of a particular customer or just our customers in Some, general? Someone who would like to lord that over their friends, I feel like, is going to talk like that. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of thing. Absolutely. When we talk about single hop beers... Uh, in general, we're not talking about using a bunch of different versions of the same hop. We're talking about using, in general, I, I think, it's, it's, it's generally accepted that you're just using the same form of the one kind of hop, but you are going to put it in, in diff at different times, right? It's going to be dry hopped or it's going to be in the whirlpool at different parts of the process. And that is going to allow the hop to express uh, different aspects of its flavor profile. Um, and in this case, you've done the same thing, but with these different variants and the different variants are all kind of, uh, they've been developed to express different parts of the, the flavor profile of mosaic hops. So um, 
you've got extra layers of complexity in there from using the different variants, I think. I, I don't know. I think it's really cool. It's neat that we have all of these different uh, products that we can use. And also, you're starting with Mosaic, right? It's a great base hop because it's in, you know, so many like IPAs, especially hazy IPAs these days, like really flavorful kind of fruity pale ales as well. It's a great hop to do even just a regular single hop beer with, uh, but especially in this way with the different variants of it. I think it's going to be really exciting and delicious beer. Yeah, it's a really complex and flavorful hop. So having all these different expressions of it in the same beer is going to be really interesting, as mm. you say. So yeah, that uh, tap takeover event and the release of that beer should be coming up uh, end of this month, beginning of July, around about then. Looking forward to that one. Speaking of good beers that we're all looking forward to, do we have anything coming up on the taps or in the fridge that you think people ought to know about? Oh, do we ever. Uh, I want to let people know about something we have in the fridge that uh, maybe we didn't mention before, but we got a big shipment of stuff from local craft beer, uh, which is a brewery up in the mountains just outside Los Angeles. Um, they're all big boys. They're all kind of uh, double IPAs and, and triple IPAs. Uh, but they, they're all really great, um, kind of shockingly crushable beers for the weight. We got those in about a week ago. Um, they've been moving, especially the hazies, obviously, uh, but those are still on the shelf. Coming on Friday, we have a delivery from Toppling Goliath, which we've gotten in every now and then. It always sells really quickly. Uh, I'm a big fan of Toppling Goliath. Pseudo Sioux Pale Ale is an excellent, excellent beer. Uh, so that's coming in. But I think the big news for this weekend is, uh, starting from Friday, we are going to have a tap takeover uh, from Devilcraft, which uh, we're pretty excited about. So we have eight kegs of Devilcraft beer. I don't think we're going to put all eight on uh, at once, but all eight are going to go on over the course of the weekend. And uh, I have heard that the, the guys from Devilcraft, that John and Mike and Jason, are going to come by at different times throughout the weekend. And not totally confirmed, but I heard some rumors that there might be some Devilcraft pizza showing up on Sunday at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's pretty good. We'll probably have stickers and coasters and things like that to give away as well. In that case, there might be some Matthew showing up on Sunday. Well. <laughs> that's, that's pretty much guaranteed, I think. Yeah, uh, if all eight were on at the same time, I guess it would be too much of a style overlap between Mm. some of them. Um, Also, speaking of style overlaps, I don't think I've ever seen the three Devilcraft guys in the same room at the same time before. So I did. They sent me a picture of them all together, but, you know, who knows, like, what's real these days. Yeah, that could have been a deep fake. Um, So, yeah, we'll see what happens. uh, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, All their beer is excellent, and that should be a very fun event. Uh, I also do want to point out that um, one of the local craft beer cans, the Hop Bender, mm. seems to be skirting copyright laws uh, by the thinnest of margins. Several of their cans are, are on that line. Yeah, it has just basically a picture of Bender from Futurama on the front that he's very slightly and maybe legally distinctly different. Yeah. I think he's in the shape of a, a conical fermenter. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, they... Uh, they really enjoy leaning into their pun names, mm. they? which is something that we respect here at Takamichi Brewing. Indeed. That is about all that we have time for this week. So it's going to be goodbye from Mr. Bones. We've enjoyed spending this time with you. 
Goodbye from me, Matthew Boynton, and goodbye from me, Mr. Bones. Mr. Bones. <laughs> See you next week, everyone. Take care. Thanks for listening, everybody.